0: Hey, hey, this is Sales Strategy Monday, and I am your host, Chanel Coons. This is the last episode of our three-part series on online lead generation. I personally have only generated leads for solar and RV sales via Facebook and Google with just basic opt-ins and targeted marketing, followed up with a phone call to those leads to start the whole sales process. And that online lead generation has been so beneficial for... small business and for our teams as well. And I think that sometimes we we overcomplicate the process of lead generation. And that's what's been so eye-opening for me during this this short series is obviously we need leads. Uh this is why I put the series together is because I get I get emails all the time like, hey how do I generate leads? How do I generate leads? And there are a gazillion ways to generate leads, but especially during this time with all that's going on in the world, people wanna know how to generate leads online. And for me, it it's it just seemed like this really simple process. And now that I've spoken to three experts on how to generate leads on the various pr- platforms, it really is just that simple process and we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's just knowing who your target market is creating something for them that that appeals to them that they're going to want to give you their email their phone number whatever it may be and then following through and in my case the follow through was was always a phone call to begin the whole sales process and in your case it may be a series of value adding emails that leads to the purchase offer but the formula is always the same uncover who your target market is provide them with something that they need and then follow through after you've received that lead the following through after you receive the lead and providing a ton of value so that you can make the sale is is the most crucial part. But in today's episode, we are talking about LinkedIn and Ellen Moore is who I interviewed today. And she has been in the business industry for years and years and years. She even worked alongside Oprah Winfrey's book club. She suggests that we have a paradigm shift. And instead of calling it lead generation, we instead focus on something called social selling, especially on LinkedIn. And this is her focus is LinkedIn. And Ellen specializes in high touch, high ticket service sales. So like high end, high ticket sales. And she emphasizes throughout our whole conversation, as you listen, you'll see the importance of not only being a quality business that follows through on all that they say they will do for their clients, but also just being like a good human, seeing and understanding that each sale is not just a sale to make money. Each lead is not just a lead that you get. It's rather there is a human there and you got to follow through and create the change that you promise you will to create the solution, to provide that solution that you promise that you will. Ellen passionately shares all of her insights during our conversation It was very insightful if you're looking to get into linkedin and you want to work with high-end high-ticket clients this is definitely an episode you want to listen to hi ellen hello i am thrilled to have you here to discuss a um, why people should be on linkedin because linkedin is no longer what it used to be it's now a platform for connecting And B, for you to share your top three tips for lead generation on LinkedIn, or rather, um, how to social sell on LinkedIn. And I'm excited to hear you talk about, go into more detail of what this paradigm shift is from lead generation, quote unquote, lead generation to social selling. Um, But first, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you, Ellen, and your super tight brand?
1: (laughs) Sure. No problem. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really looking forward to this. I actually started out life as an My academic. Lovely. I was um, an English professor. I taught at DU, University of Denver. And when I was about thirty, I, I decided I, I needed to escape academia, and I started a business because I didn't know of anything else I could possibly do with, like, you know, a bunch of degrees in like cultural studies and language arts and <laughs> stuff like that. So. A friend of mine from the program and I, we we created a program for um, for people in book groups, in book clubs, in reading clubs. And at the time, uh, we were the first people to really step out and say, "Hey, there's about you know 10 million people in the English speaking world that are in those clubs, and uh, let's let's give them resources so they can have better discussions." And um, that was when I first really learned to study a target audience. And that has been the secret to my success like time and time again. And I think I think that worked because instead of saying like, and again, I don't want to put anyone down who's going through a stage where they're saying like, why am I special? What do I have to give? I think that's a super important stage. And then you have to move into who is my target audience? What goes on in their mind that's different than what goes on in my mind? What do they need? What do they want? What does it mm-hmm. look like from their perspective? So we really studied those people in, in book clubs and reading clubs, and we created resources for them. And within a year, we were doing consulting for the Oprah Winfrey Book Club um, for the early show. I was the Channel 7 book girl here in Denver, Colorado, and we were on public radio because we, that was the experience of being the leader. Like, literally, before the word thought leader was created, (laughs) this is back in like 2000. Mm -hmm. So, ever since then, I wanted other people to have that same kind of access to success. And and I think when you're a a smaller company uh, and you're newer, one of the fastest tracks is to really pick a super tight audience, a super tight offer, and go for it And, and say, These are my people and I will declare for them. And as a uh, marketing, you know, God, Seth Godin likes to say, uh, you know, the riches are in the niches. And, and my friend Mia Voss would add the riches are in the niches, bitches. So, you know, I mean,
0: <laughs> but
1: get on it, but people, people don't want to do it. They're very, very resistant because they say, but what about all this audience? And what about these people? And what if I choose the wrong people? And, and I agree, it, it, it takes something really special and it, it, it really takes choosing a group of people and standing for them. And I think that's, that's hard to do. But once you choose a particular group of people and you let them know it by providing resources that they need, they will choose you back. Mm-hmm. And if you don't choose anybody, you're going to have a much harder time getting chosen yeah as a as a thought leader as an influencer so that's what we've we've taught other people to do and that was super tight brand and then recently we have we have changed the name from super tight brand to super tight social selling mm. because that's what we're predicting is is the trend that is going to most profoundly affect people as as time goes on and and basically what that means is that we've been living in a paradigm for the past 10 years of maybe 15 years of digital marketing of social media and the one to the many, right? Like I get on, you know, here's my social media. The most important thing I have is, you know, huge numbers of followers and I'm one person speaking to many, but I don't have personal relationships with many of them, right? Like I'm the the leader or the influencer and they're my followers. And I think that time has come to an end especially with what's happened in the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying there's, oh, there's not going to be any more influencers, but what is, as far as selling something, if you're a coach or a consultant and you're in a service-based business, you you are going to need a social selling component to actually sell what you are doing. And that is a different strategy than just social media. And LinkedIn is one of the best places to do it. So I will pause for breath and climb down <laughs> off my pedestal and you can ask whatever questions you want to ask about yeah, any of that. So
0: I think, I mean, I had lots of thoughts, but I don't want to digress. I think my next question from here would be what sort of market could one expect? What sort of niche is on LinkedIn? Because I think when most people think LinkedIn, they think large corporations, big businesses. How do you connect and social sell with a large corporation?
1: I, you know, that's a good question. I certainly don't know, because those aren't my clients. But I have clients that sell to large corporations. So we'll we'll have to go talk to them. But, but here's what I know. There is no corporation on LinkedIn. There is only a person. LinkedIn is, um, actually, I think it, it grew by about 10 million people in the last three weeks, but it's about 680 million people. And they are all individuals and they all have needs, wants, desires. And, you know, they have boss, if if they're part of a business, they have bosses that they want to impress. They have coworkers that they want to look good to. So it's always a mistake to think about, oh, I have to sell to a business. No, you don't. You have to sell to a person who wants to look good, who wants to get out of trouble and wants to, you know, do well for you know his or her colleagues, but I think the question you're asking is, well, isn't it mostly you know business people from corporations who are on LinkedIn? And that just isn't true. There is an explosion of independent contractors, solopreneurs, uh, coaches, consultants, experts. Um, I would call these folks you know sort of the mission minded generation, and I think the perception of LinkedIn it's about five years, 10 years old. One of my friends who's a social media expert used to say, oh, you know, LinkedIn, it's like the boring older step uncle of social media.
0: (laughs) And Which it was at one time, but it has made a shift.
1: I think that's probably true. Did you know that it's the oldest? It's the oldest platform. It's older than Facebook or obviously Instagram, any of those things. And when it came around, I think it was very much for people to get jobs mm-hmm. and build their careers. But now the B2B world on LinkedIn is insane. Mm-hmm. So the people you're going to find who are most active are businesses selling to other businesses. And a huge percentage of those are small businesses, you know, uh, you know, under under a couple million dollars mm-hmm. a year. We're talking businesses of one to five to 10 people. Are incredibly active.
0: Very, very interesting. Um, And there's lots of independent contractors too, is what you're saying.
1: Oh, tons! Like, I mean, every day I probably get 30 messages from solopreneurs who are, you know, they're 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 connecting and they don't really understand LinkedIn yet. So they make a connection request, and I can tell they're new because they do one out of two things: they either connect and never talk to me again, Mm -hmm. or they connect and try to sell to me right away. Mm And that is the opposite of a good social selling strategy, which demands that you create relationships Mm -hmm. before you get transactional.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so that'll lead us into your top three tips for social selling lead generation. Again, we're going to talk more about that paradigm shift because that's your third tip here, but you're saying optimize your profile because it's not about you. It needs to be customer focused, which goes back to what you were just saying about you can't just ask someone for a connection and then ghost them or try and sell them immediately because that's not making a connection. That's not being customer focused. So can you dig a little bit more into that?
1: Yeah. So first off, remember that thing where you have to choose your person? Mm-hmm. LinkedIn is one of the places you demonstrate that. And again, if you're newer and you don't choose, it's going to be evident in everything that's that's there on your profile and the way you interact on LinkedIn. So I would say that the first thing is, you know, you want to pick someone to talk to on LinkedIn. And this has got to be someone who's got the money to pay for your service. We call it ATP, ability to pay. Mm-hmm. So much time is wasted um, going after people in in industries where you really have to sort through to find the folks that that have the money. And also the sophistication to pay, meaning they have the experience. They're the kind of people who are willing and able and are looking for help. That's a certain kind of person. So instead of making your LinkedIn profile about yourself, and this is this is the same exact mistake people make on websites too. And we see this all the time. You know, there's a website or a profile and it's kind of all about we call it me, me, me. Mm -hmm. I did this, I did that, I have these impression, you know, these accomplishments and here's my education. And again, I don't people don't do that because they're trying to be douchey. They're doing it because they don't, that's what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. But every website and every profile in the world talks about why this person or this company is different, better, or unique. And instead of doing that, just start being different, better, or unique. You don't need to talk about yourself. You can, at the bottom of your LinkedIn profile, there's your experience section. And if you want. You can show off all your accomplishments there, but the top part of your profile should not be about you. If you go look at my LinkedIn profile right now and read my headline and my about section, I I don't think you're going to find out that much about me. Yeah, but, it
0: actually made me laugh. I really liked it. I cannot <laughs> even remember what it is right now.
1: Well, thank you. A, a couple weeks ago, my headline was. Um, your your profile your LinkedIn profile is hurting both my heart and my eyeballs yeah, <laughs> and that's that's the truth because i'm I see these things and and I know again people they just don't know better, and mm-hmm. the prevailing advice you know a few years ago was this is how you're supposed to make it look but but that and again this ties into this whole paradigm shift between lead generation and social selling now. I'm not going to say, oh, nobody should do lead generation, or lead generation is bad. I'm talking about. I mean, you're an expert salesperson, Chanel. So lead generation looks different in your hands than it does in most of these folks I'm talking about. What they think is lead generation is getting somebody else out there to market for them, to sell for them, to bring in leads, to bring in prospects, and 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 trust me for this next period of time that is that especially if somebody's newer to business that's just not going to cut it i wouldn't outsource that stuff if you're new mm-hmm. i wouldn't outsource that stuff if if this stage of your career is important to you i would i would outsource it if you have an offer that's all you know figured out and everything's articulated and you have lots of experience and you know what it is and you know how to train other people but But lead generation generally involves somebody else stepping in to do some of it for you. Or it involves handing yourself over to a system. Social selling is the opposite. And what's funny about it is social selling isn't, it's not social in the sense of social media, like one to many. It's personal, like me and Chanel talking. It's one to one. And the other thing is it's not selling it's offering value. So at every touch point from the first time a a potential prospect sees me and sees my company, we're just offering value. Here's what you can do here. Here's what you need to know here. And so by the time people are ready to buy, they will let you know. And we don't do pitching. We don't do launching. We don't do funnels. We don't do any of those things. We have a system But it's a system of highly personal, high-touch interaction. And for a company like ours, it works amazing because people know they can really trust you. They don't feel pressured by you.
0: Just so I better understand. So you're saying that the opt-in, like doing opt-ins with value, obviously, if someone's opting in, they're getting value of some sort. You're saying that that is becoming like archaic, like that's something we shouldn't do anymore. And it should be more of like a high touch sort of opt-in, such as like a phone call or something like that. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I'm saying that let's, if tell me what you're considering an opt-in. Like, are you talking about like a lead magnet and an email newsletter?
0: Well, of course you're taught over and over again to get emails. And I know for like our solar business. So we got emails, phone numbers, and then I would then go and call those people and set up appointments and stuff. But for an online business who that's just trying to add value before they sell, you're taught to get emails. And the way you get emails is by creating an offer, something of high value that they want to opt in for. And then after that, they're put into kind of a funnel, a value adding funnel, and then your newsletter or whatever it may be to where you're weekly adding value to their life.
1: I think that's fine. I think the difference is, you know, we have a, we have a newsletter, we have Lead magnets, we have those things and most of our clients do too. A, a social selling approach would be though, it, you're, it's not all about, you know, appearing various places, doing various digital automated things, and then having people go into that funnel with no personal contact. Okay. And it's not that that can't happen because some people may see the value add and be like, "Oh, I want to know about this. I'm willing to exchange my email in order to get this information." And and that is value first, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's fine. I think what we're saying doesn't work anymore is the funnel systems. And by the way, that word I would recommend you stay away from. Not like you Chanel because I don't know your clients, but folks who are listening, like if you're new to business, don't start talking about your funnel. Because what people hear is That they're going to be put into some sort of system where they aren't going to have much personal impact. And so it's not that you can't have ways to collect emails to help people stay closer to you. It's just that you want to lead whenever you can. And especially if you've got a high value offer, you know, a high ticket sale, you want to have as much personal one on one contact as you can. You want to create as many relationships, or I I shouldn't say as many, you want to create really great relationships where you've got referral sources that are working very closely with you. And and I'm talking about people who really know you and and care about you and know about your offer and and find it valuable. And I guess what I'm trying to say is things that are automated, that are autopilot, where there's no interaction um, until someone has, you know, really paid the bill. I think you're going to see less and less of that. And especially right now, mm-hmm. um, people are very not in the mood right this minute to feel sold to. They're not in the mood to be put into a funnel and they don't want to be pitched. The only time I ever pitch somebody is when they they make an appointment and they tell me ahead of time, Ellen, you know, send a scope of work and help me explain how I work with you. But by that time, I'm not pitching them to get them to say, yes, they've already told me. Send
0: me a proposal. They, yeah. they
1: want to work together. Yeah. And we don't send proposals, by the way. I would recommend not doing that. Um, it, it's, there's, there's a difference between a scope of work and a proposal. And if you want to learn about that, um, by all means, like hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll, I'll tell you about that. It's a different topic. But what I would say is don't invest a bunch of time creating a proposal for someone who hasn't already given you a yes not a good idea.
0: Because I've received proposals recently that I've requested, like, tell me what it is that you'll do, how much you're, you're wanting for this, this scope of work. And, but yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in that, in that paradigm shift as well. I find that fascinating.
1: And there's a difference between a scope of work and a proposal. A scope of work is something I can, and and again, in my world, and that may not be true in your Chanel. And I'm not saying, oh, this isn't true for you because I don't know your clients like you do but in the in the world of high-end consultants and high-end coaches listen tons of people do the proposal thing i i, I don't because i don't want to i don't want to work out a proposal until all of that has already been agreed upon verbally mm-hmm. and then i'll i'll put together a proposal based on what has been discussed a scope of work though in in our in my world is different in the sense that that's a here's basically what happens when we work with you and you know that's that gives someone a sense of it but i might depending on who the customer is who the client is i might not put all the prices on that i might just say here's what's available so anyway i don't want to get off track but i would just tell people don't spend time putting together elaborate proposals
0: i think the biggest thing that you emphasize more than anything else and i believe this and i preach this like no other is making a connection yep. like before you do anything else with any you know, your prospects, potential clients, you need to connect with them because if you don't make the connection, there's no way to move forward, to get the sale, to have them become a a customer of yours. And also with that being said, they'll become a lifelong customer who will give you referrals. If you make that connection and you really provide them with that, that high touch, high value service.
1: I love how you said that. And I, and I wanted to say like, when I talk about the difference between lead generation and social selling, I'm very much thinking about it as it exists in LinkedIn. I would say the philosophy of most of most of the people who call themselves lead gen on LinkedIn, their philosophy is about getting clients. And just think about that phrase. I need to get clients.
0: Right. It's very impersonal.
1: It's very impersonal. And the difference between when I say get clients versus what you just said, customer for life, those are totally different things. And listen. I know there are businesses where the big, the big thing is to get clients, but my clients don't want to be gotten. Mm -hmm. They, they want to find someone they can trust for a lifetime. And we often, we start with LinkedIn because it's a very powerful way to get sales and get things moving. And then I have clients who've been with me for years and we do websites and we do lead magnets and we do Ted talks. Um, my expertise is in words, persuasive words, persuasive language, but the point is, I'm never trying to push them into the next thing. The things are there, and people for whom I'm a really good fit, and for you know me, they're a good fit. They want to stick around because it's a huge amount of trouble to keep shopping around for different things. When you have, it's, it's just easier when you have somebody you can trust mm-hmm. who's going to fight through the parts that don't work. And you know, we have we have various things that we use. Every single client I've ever worked with is different. I've never tried to shove somebody through a system where that doesn't fit for them. And I think, I think that's another thing we're seeing. Um, and I'll just say, I, I talk to people all the time who are experts in you know high ticket sales. And from the end of 2018 through 2019, through the beginning of 2020, I guess the one month of 2020 <laughs> that was quote unquote normal, I mean, those people were hurting. And the reason was too many people had been put through group programs that cost $10,000 but did not recognize their responsibility for results. Mm -hmm. And too many people had been shoved through systems that, that had worked for the founder, for the guru, but they worked 10 years ago, not now. And so there was just such a burnout in the world of, of all that, at least, again, in the world of services and, and high-ticket consulting, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think, I think um, in, at least on LinkedIn, I would just advise people to really be wary of lead gen people, not because they're bad people, but I, my point is just- The system
0: has changed.
1: Yeah, the system has changed. And what, Chanel, what you just said- most of those people do not care about connection. They care about systems and strategies to get people to buy shit. And that right. is a different philosophy. That's all.
0: And then my thought process as you were talking as well is it sounds like it's a slow build. So you're slowly building this foundation of customers that builds like a stronger, larger foundation. Because after you make that connection, they trust you. You don't have to communicate with them like as high touch after that unless they need to and they know they can go to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's not mass numbers that you're trying to achieve. It's like it's a slow build to like the masses or larger numbers.
1: That's, That's a really cool point. I think here's why I love LinkedIn. With LinkedIn, it is both possible to get some immediate wins, as in with the right targeting, the right messaging, and the right profile, you can absolutely get two to three high value clients pretty quickly if you know what you're doing. So let's say you're going through a little sales slump. Okay, well, you, there is some immediate gratification to be had. And that's nice. And it's nice for those people too, because trust me, they're on LinkedIn every day looking for help. So they want help. But at the same time, the the big picture is the long game. And it's a sustainable strategy. You know, it's not, it's the opposite of a churn and burn. Mm-hmm. And so I have I have people that I've been talking to on LinkedIn for you know, two years, and then when they're ready, they come to me. Mm-hmm. but in that in that two years, they they followed what I'm doing, and they're they're part of groups that I'm in, or you know they're part of other things that we have going on so they can stay in touch. but but I know who they are, and they know mm-hmm. like we've talked personally mm-hmm. i'm I'm not like a guru or a founder like, oh, this you know, anonymous person. And those people mm-hmm. know they can call me anytime to ask questions. And I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You already had your free 30 minutes. Like right. if, there, if, there's a, if there's a thing I can answer in five or 10 minutes, which I usually can, it, it's no problem. Cool. And that, that long-term strategy, the reason I think it's so vital right now is that this is something that will not bite you in the ass no matter what you do. No matter what our culture, our society looks like a week from now, a month from now. A year from now, there's one thing you can always count on with human beings, and that's relationships. Mm-hmm. Those who have good relationships will survive bad times, most likely. Mm-hmm. And those who do not have those relationships will have to work much harder. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's and and also I, I think I love that you talked about the numbers. Cause here's another thing I'd love for I'd love for your listeners to know, which is on LinkedIn. I get people all the time who've got 25,000, 30,000 um, connections on LinkedIn, and they have absolutely no idea where to start. You know, they're out there posting to their 30,000 connections, and two people liked their post. Mm-hmm. That is not, again, it, it's just, it, it, I, I'd rather see a lot of the people we see who do the best. Like one of my clients who makes the most money has 500 connections, but every single one of those people, was chosen carefully. Mm-hmm. And this person knows who's on that list and has relationships with those people and knows that all those people either have the money or the interest or what we would call the ecologies. I mean by ecology I mean group of people that that are worthwhile, mm-hmm. that make that exchange worthwhile. So don't I would just tell people if you're kind of new, don't get caught up in the vanity metric. Like this is not Instagram. And it, you know, I'm not saying, oh, if you've got 20,000 connections, that's bad. I'm just saying if it's harder. Yeah. If they're quality. But again, remember it's harder because now you have 20,000 people to sort through. Mm-hmm. And if I did have 20,000 people to sort through, I think I would pay someone in to come out and, and pull, you know, 200 profiles for me. I would teach them how to read profiles And there's a way to do that. Like there's a way to read a profile in LinkedIn that you could tell, again, does the person have the money and the sophistication and the eagerness to be part of of, you know your network? I, I just think if you don't have that kind of help yet, it's easier to start out by by just being more picky. You know, they call them um, there's LinkedIn lions, and those are the people who will accept any connection requests. And then there's LinkedIn purists. And those are the people again who are very, 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 very picky about Mm -hmm. who they take in. And I would just say a a winning philosophy might be to be a LinkedIn networker, and you know that just means you don't have to accept everybody, but you do accept people that you you would want to have a relationship, you would want to transact with. Real life, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, listen, I I don't know much about real estate but i've got some really great real estate connections and i love those people cuz they know how to network and they can tell me like hey ellen this or that person you know is going to need help with their messaging and mm-hmm. i can tell them hey this or that person is looking for commercial real estate i mean y- you know stuff like that
0: mm-hmm. absolutely you scratch my back i'll scratch yours yes exactly very 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 insightful and i think that you covered all three of your your tips in various ways optimizing your profile so that it's customer focused and we talked about that despite what we've heard or commonly see the linkedin profile is not about the business or the individual who has whose profile it is but it's rather about the customers and then one of my favorite quotes is let the, the tongue in your shoes match the tongue in your mouth and um that's that's what you you've repeated over and over again don't just talk about your brand what your brand represents but be about what your brand represents and really make the connections
1: with people yeah exactly and again i don't think people do that because they're they're self obsessed or narcissistic or as we say like if you want to be really good at sales you know it exactly just don't 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 do that thing where it's me 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 like a few years ago, the style was all for like rock star this and badass that. I'm so tired of that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe, like you don't have to, it's kind of like girls who wear shirts that say like sexy or beautiful. Like, I can see you are. I don't, I don't need your yeah. shirt to explain it to me. And I think it's That's normal. A good yeah. I think it's normal for, especially um, when people are finding their voice to, 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 to feel strongly about words like that. And I think the first 18 times I saw "rock star" and the first 50 times I saw Badass, I was like, okay. And, and all I'm saying is if, if you've got that in, in, in part of what you're doing, just, just turn down the volume on that a little bit and turn up the volume on the value you're providing for people. And here's the thing. It also takes the pressure off. Because if you're one of those people who doesn't really like to talk about yourself and you don't want to sit around figuring out why you're so great, different, and unique, just be that way by by choosing a target and making it. And I'll just say, I'll just give you one correction. Um, a few minutes ago, you said the profile shouldn't be about you. It should be about the target customer. And and I would say even more so make it make it for them. It's not about them. It's for them. So what does that mean? That means that you're providing valuable insights, just like you would in a blog or an article or a podcast. It, it, one of the things we always say to people is, as far as that about section, think of it, th- if I paid you $50,000 to deliver a keynote speech, that's what your about section should be like. Like, get up and and give away some some great ideas, some great value, instead of, doing what everyone else does and talk about who you are, who you serve, Mm -hmm. why you're different, blah, blah, blah. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that for $50,000. So don't do it here.
0: Excellent. So tell our listeners what it is because you have a free offer as well. You have a, tell us a little bit about that and, and where they can find you. They can find you on LinkedIn. I'll share your website as well. I super appreciate all of this. I mean, so much value in this 35 minutes, and, and I'm really grateful for your time.
1: And Chanel, you know, you, just like anybody else, if you want to do an audit mm-hmm. of your LinkedIn profile, that's that's the free offer we have. And folks can go find me at link at Ellen Malcolm Moore at LinkedIn, and that's M-E-L-K-O, the middle name. Uh, they can find me at ellen at supertightsocialselling.com. That's the website. And if you go to my my profile on LinkedIn and you go to the About section, there is a link right there where you can schedule um, a profile audit. And what that means is, you and I will get on Zoom together for thirty minutes, and we'll talk about the things you can do to optimize your profile for kind of this moment right now. What I'm calling the quarantine era. There are specific there are specific things you want to do right now that you know, it's not about making your whole life and your whole brand about this, but there are special things that people need right now that you want to address in your profile. So that's, that's the freebie. And Chanel, you too, like, you know?
0: Yeah, I will probably most definitely take you up on that because I'm fairly new to LinkedIn, but I see the value in it. Yeah. I guess my other question is, is most of LinkedIn high ticket? Most of LinkedIn would be high ticket customers. You
1: know, what I know about LinkedIn is it, it is the, there, there's a lot of everybody, just like everyone else. But as far as if you look for the most ambitious people in the world and you said, what social media are they most active on? Time and time and time again, the answer is going to be LinkedIn. Doesn't mean they're not other places, yeah. but well, that's
0: where, all but all they are the- definitely only. Right. But that's where yes. all the business information is. Oh, Excuse funny. me, sorry. <laughs> like if they want, if you want to keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the business world, you are. You're on LinkedIn. You're not on Instagram, seeing TikTok. Now I, I other I'm in a group you're...
1: that is like a a LinkedIn TikTok crossover group. So I haven't <laughs> I haven't explored myself yet, but the people in that group, like every day, are bugging me. Like Ellen, you have to get on TikTok because there's all these doctors and lawyers on TikTok now. I'm like.
0: I'm yeah, like, okay. I've heard this I, yeah.
1: I, I mean, right at the present moment, I just don't have the capacity, like there's too much else, but I'm, I'm looking forward to learning about that. And, and the thing about high ticket okay. on LinkedIn, what I would say is if, if you are in a B2B or a B2C business, you can have whatever kind of offer you want to have, you will do better in the beginning with a high ticket offer that you're working on for just a very specific type of customer just because it's easier, right, to manage. So, we have we have a an offer and then we have like an easy in offer. We have one that's fairly inexpensive. And that's one of the ways people mm-hmm. people get in and 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 start learning about super tight and social selling. But for the most part, the people who are going to accept that offer are are very serious about their entrepreneurship. This is not an offer I'm selling to people who just got their Tony Robbins certification last Tuesday. <laughs> like and God bless. I man. love T. Rob- like yeah. Tony Robbins. Yeah, Robbins so and great. a certification. Like, yeah, no, I got no problems. I'm just saying it's not those people for me. They're
0: very dedicated. So is what you're looking if, for. If
1: they are, they are ambitious mm-hmm. and dedicated, mm-hmm. and they care about mastery. And what that means is there's been a lot of time and attention devoted to this for your listeners, if they're not quite on that level or they're not sure, I would say get on LinkedIn and get your presence out the door. Put your foot out the door. Uh, feel free to, to message me and I can tell you some places and things and people uh, to, to go to, but just start exploring it. And, and, and one good way that works for a lot of people is do 15 minutes twice a day. And then you won't get so overwhelmed, like with groups and pods and hashtags and all that stuff like and I've had a lot of clients who started out with like, "I know I have to do this, but I don't want to." Mm-hmm. And what we always say to people is let's let's find a way to transform that experience from "I've got to to "I mm-hmm. get to," because it is a privilege. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege that hundreds of thousands of years of human history, can you imagine what they would have done oh for the possibility to talk to anyone in the world? For just 30 minutes <laughs> and not a Not that.
0: From the comfort yeah, of your couch. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So it can be, if you're not used to LinkedIn and you are used to other social media pieces, I think just just do it a bit in the morning and maybe a little bit at the end of the day and you will start to feel at home. And I think People who do care about quality are going to love it. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't even tell you how much I love LinkedIn compared to Facebook. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Facebook's just fine, but that's like my serious contenders. Facebook's like where I hang out with Mm -hmm. my friends, but it's not where I spend a lot of time with the most ambitious people on the planet. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Like I said, your fingers on the pulse of business in LinkedIn and just, yeah, thought leaders and, Yeah. I was telling my husband, I love it because it's, it's pure business. That's what it is. And you can go in there and share your insights and receive insights and have quality conversations with people on topics that really make my brain tingle as, you know, as opposed to other platforms that just don't provide that for me. So I'm in alignment with that. I think LinkedIn is fantastic and I'm still new to it. So I would love to do an audit with you. We'll have to schedule that.
1: Well, yeah, just go to, just go to my profile and schedule that. And then just remember in the last word. If LinkedIn feels intimidating because it is businessy or B2B or corporate, just remember there is always another human being sitting on a couch, stuck at home with their kids, who has hopes and dreams and fears, just like we do. Don't make your language so so corporate, right? Because you're trying to be professional with a capital P. You can still be personal. You, I mean, you don't have to be like Facebook personal with like pictures of smoothies and pets and your political opinions, but you can be personal in the sense of expressing who you are and, and people are more responsive to that than pretty much everything else. It, it, it's hard for me to stop talking this because I'm, I'm so passionate about it, but I would just say like, just, just get on and, and start learning and you're going to be amazed at the difference on LinkedIn is what I totally
0: and connect, connect, connect. That's just all I keep hearing from you mostly. I mean, you don't use the word, but but yeah, to be genuine. Um, you don't just be who you are and you're going to connect with somebody. You're going to connect with more people than you think. So again, Ellen, thank you so much
1: for your time. You are so welcome. It was such a pleasure to be here. Chanel. Thank you for inviting me and I will see you soon on zoom. Yes. And we'll optimize your profile. And there
0: you have it. If you have any additional questions or want to schedule a Zoom meeting with Ellen, all of her information is linked below. And I'll leave you with this last thought. You are powerful, strong, and capable. No dream or goal is too silly, whatever that dream or goal may be. And the time is now.